What is going on, everybody? No Playbook Podcast coming right back for your feed again. Whew. Here with a little Game 3 recap. This was not really going to be a football podcast. I am by myself today. But this was not really going to be a football podcast. This is mainly going to be about talking about um, Game 3 of the Finals last night. But, as always, the NFL ceases to amaze me. I... I'm sitting there and I'm feeding my daughter, okay? Yeah, picture this with me. And I am playing something that usually gets her to sleep. And I see something on my phone pop up from Schefter because I have his notifications on for every time he tweets, I get it. So I see a notification that says Cooper Cup. So, you know, know, rightfully so, I swipe down and my Cooper Cup got a bag yesterday. Um, And yeah, rightfully so. But we're going to touch a little bit on Cooper Cup before we get into Game 3 of the NBA Finals. So, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, get right to it. This episode of No Playbook is sponsored by me. Go ahead and click that subscribe button, like the podcast, share with your friends, leave a comment, whatever you do. Just go ahead and get it done, and let's grow LTT Productions to its fullest capacity. Now, let's go ahead and get right back to it. So Cooper Cup is staying in L.A. <clears throat> he is now there, I believe, till what? I just had three years to his deal, and it was up next year. So probably about 2025, somewhere in that range. Um, and I could not be happier because knowing Les Snead and knowing how much of a business side of things Snead, you know, kind of sort of takes, kind of sort of in a way, um, I was really worried about Coop's future in L.A., um, but one of the things that I wanted to say um, was the story that had come out right right around the time that he, um, you know, kind of started picking up his success. Um, I kind of paraphrased it from ESPN. Um, so Coop and his wife, Anna, they met in high school and attended Eastern Washington together. Anna lost a lot of credits that didn't transfer to Eastern Washington, but she still went to support Coop. Uh, while Cup was playing football, Anna was working and going to school. Um, Cooper Cup credits, you know, his NFL career to his wife Anna, who they got married in 2015. Cup signed a three-year, 48 million dollar deal in 2020, and he just got a massive pay raise. He went from 14 million dollars a year to right around 26. Um, some of his stats look like in 2019, uh, 94 receptions, 1,161 yards, 10 touchdowns, and the comeback player of the year. 2020 kind of took a dip in some of the numbers just with uh, Jared Goff getting hurt later in the season. He had 92 receptions, 974 yards, and three touchdowns. In this past season, we all know that he went ballistic, 145 receptions, 1,947 yards, 16 touchdowns, 114 yards per game. He won Offensive Player of the Year, finished third in MVP voting, and was all pro first team. There is no Rams without Cooper Cup, and it makes me very happy that he is back with the Rams, um, and it kind of gives the league more of a kind of another thing of what receivers are getting paid nowadays simply because of the fact that Cup, or, or Cup just got 
somewhere around an $80 million raise. So DK Metcalf still hasn't been signed. Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, uh, Debo Samuel are all is still in need of contracts. So it'll be really interesting to see how much they pay because of the simple fact that Tyreek got paid this year. Gilmore um, is not a receiver, but uh, Stephon Diggs got paid this year. Cooper Cup just got paid. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how much the the some of these other teams that are holding on to their star receivers are willing to pay simply because of the fact that Seattle is kind of a rebuilding team. Washington is going to be... I think going to be middle of the pack. Um, I think they have a really good defense. They drafted John, or excuse me, Jahan Dotson out of Penn State, who I think is a stud. Uh, Carson Wentz is really the only question mark on that team, other than kind of maybe some offensive line pieces. Um, but yeah, and then you also, of course, have um, Debo Samuel, who is in need of a payday really bad because of Trey Lance not really having a go-to receiver outside of. You know, Debo Samuel. I think I think his name is Brandon Jennings. I think he had a fairly fairly solid year last year. I think he was a rookie or a second year player, one of the younger players in the wide receiver room for the 49ers. And I think he had a really good year, but he don't think he's ready to take that Debo kind of step and that Debo kind of role to where he can just. I don't think he's wanting to hand the get handoffs as much anymore or at all. But I know that either way, he's still a fantastic receiver. So before we go ahead and jump right into the NBA Finals Game 3, let's hear a word from our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Smith Media Consulting. For all your audio or video production, or for media consulting, contact Smith Media Consulting at 618-294-3399. Again, contact Smith Media Consulting at 618 294 Three three nine nine. Now let's get back to it. Thank you again to Smith Media and Consulting for sponsoring No Playbook. Um, again, you go ahead and give Jeremy Smith a call for anything you need. He is a fantastic person and is willing to work with you. So, Game Three of the NBA Finals. Um, Mike Breen was back, and I wanted to touch on that because it had been. I think it was Mark Ja no Mark I think it had been Mark Jones. I'm pretty sure it was Mark Jones who was filling in for Mike Breen. I don't have a problem with Mark Jones. He's really good. He does a fantastic job. But whenever you think of NBA finals, you think of the biggest moments in the NBA, you know, you just kind of miss Mike Breen being there. And he's obviously, in my opinion, one of the best, if not the best, NBA play-by-play announcer of all time. Uh, I love Mike Breen. He's fantastic. He's been doing great work for as long as I've been alive. He's been calling fantastic games, even not even NBA Finals. If you think NBA announcing, you're going to think of Mike Breen. And that's because of his bang, bang, and he does just a fantastic job with that. So, Mike Breen, thank you for all that you do, and I'm glad to hear you're back. And I'm sure that a lot of other fan, other fans are glad to hear you're back as well. So starting off, I didn't get to watch a lot of the game. I'm not going to lie. I did watch some of it. Um, I did watch some highlights, looked at some box scores, and here's what I had noticed in everything that I had seen and done my research on. Boston is getting the matchups they want. Jason Tatum is singling out Steph Curry, and Golden State cannot do anything about it. They really cannot. 
Jason Tatum is lengthy enough to where he shoots over Steph Curry no problem. He really does. And it's kind of – it's not even just Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown also gets the shots that he wants as well, and he just shoot, they just shoot over Steph. I don't think Steph plays bad defense at all. He kind of gets lost out there sometimes, but he does if you know he sees a shot going up, his hands are up, and he's just trying to defend it. It's just the fact that he's – 6'3", I believe, and Jalen Brown 6'7", Jason Tatum is around 6'10". So these guys who are just, you know, already lethal shooters are just shooting over the top of Steph Curry, which are like drills that they've done throughout high school and college and now up into the pros. That little dummy that just stands there with his hands up, that's kind of like Steph Curry, just kind of like the size, maybe a little bit smaller, um, those uh, dummies are. Um, As far as Golden State offensively, uh, it's a Steph Curry show. Um, Steph had a fantastic night again last night. I had the stats pulled up. I think he had right around 31 points. Um, Clay Thompson had a big game. Uh, we kind of got Clay uh, game six Clay early. Um, I think Clay had a pretty good game. All around offensive wise, it was Steph Curry with 31 points. Uh, Wiggs had 18. Clay had 25. Jordan Poole contributed with 10, and then Draymond just had a rough night with two points, uh, four rebounds, three assists. Of course, Draymond's kind of impact on the Warriors goes far uh, far over uh, just scoring points. But, I mean, out of the – I think there's eight players here that got minutes for the Warriors. Um, Clay, Curry, Poole, and Wiggins all scored in double digits, and Poole just did it, you know, just by 10 points. So, nonetheless, what I'm going to say here is is that Steph Curry needs some help. He got a little bit of it with Klay Thompson, but I think Steve Kerr defensively needs to come up with a new scheme. Him and Mike Brown, I know you're here on the mic move, and I apologize about that. Um, but Mike Breen, uh, excuse me, uh, Mike Brown, who just accepted a role to be the new head coach of the Sacramento Kings, he is kind of getting outmatched here, I believe. Um, none of the defenses they seem... Um, the throw at Boston work. I mean, Jalen Brown had 27 points. Marcus Smart had 24. Jason Tatum had 26. Horford had 11. Robert Williams had 8. Um, Derek White had an off night. He had only 7. But whenever I talk about guys like Robert Williams having 8 or, you know, I look over to Kevon Looney and he had 6. So it's not a big difference. But Williams also contributed 10 rebounds to this game. Boston out-rebounded Golden State 31-47. to And 15 of those for Boston, Boston's 47, were offensive. I know I'm kind of playing the stats game here, but either way, I mean, Golden State turned it over 16 times. Um, they allowed 52 points in the paint. And then just on the series, Robert Williams is averaging three, three, almost three and a half blocks a game. So, and then uh, going back to Golden State's defense, they are just allowing multiple open shots. It seems like every play down, once, whenever Boston gets their offense set, it seems like it always resends, or excuse me, it always ends in a wide open shot for Boston. It doesn't matter who's taking it. It doesn't matter who's guarding it. They seem to just kind of get lost out there. And it's sometimes it plays kind of into what Boston is lacking. Um, just because they can go on those spelts of four to six minutes of them just not scoring.
But whenever you're giving them wide open shots like this, you know, it it's kind of hard for them to miss. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have been really good um, shooting the ball, shooting the three ball, that is. Derek White has been shooting it, I think, at like 47%. Um, a lot of these guys are really three-point shooters. Even Al Horford can hit some. We've seen that he hit six threes um, in, the, in game one. So it's... Golden State needs to figure a lot out defensively. The open shots is one of them. Um, and Boston, again, like I mentioned, is just shooting over Jordan Poole. They're shooting over um, Steph Curry. In the post, Robert Williams is shooting over Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins. It doesn't matter how athletic they are. Williams is just bullying people down in the post. There's one play that comes to mind where uh, Rob put up a shot. It bounced off the rim. He jumped, He was behind Draymond and jumped over him, like legit just grabbed it and bullied his way back in and, and tossed that bad boy in there. Um, and then another thing is Golden State has not been smothering Boston shooters. It seems like, again, they're just kind of open all the time. Marcus Smart, it doesn't matter how good he's been shooting it on the year. He is clipping them at a good 43%, something around there, Then in this series. Derek White, who has been hitting all of his shots. Jason Tatum, who has come to life um, after game one. Jalen Brown has just been an absolute stud in the finals. These are guys, Al Horford, you know, these are guys that are, are going to shoot the ball. They have the confidence in the green light from Ime Udoku to shoot the ball. They will, and... It's on you to make them make or miss it. Well, not necessarily, but you've got to play the defense enough to where you feel like you're contributing enough. You know, there's times where Gary Payton would go out to Marcus Smart, and Smart would just shoot over him, and he'd make it. There's times like that, like, I mean, what can I do, you know? I mean, he just literally shot it with my hand covering his eyes. But for a lot of Golden State's defensive lacking, Boston is making them pay, and that's why they're up 2-1. They won 116-110, to 110, or excuse me, 116-100. to 100. And it's, you know, again, the rebounding, 47-31. to 31. Uh, Williams is feasting on smaller defenders. I would like to see Golden State. I mean, they're, they're in jeopardy of going down 3-1. They play Friday in Boston. I would really like to see Kevon Looney and Robert Williams kind of minutes being matched because in game three, two, excuse me, uh, Robert Williams didn't play that much. And I think Emeo Doku just kind of like seen that um, they got up, you know, Boston got up, or excuse me, Golden State got up pretty, a pretty decent size. And he's like, let's just, let's get you healthy. And they had, I think three days off. So on top of him playing like 10, 15 minutes in game two, they also had two or three days off to come back to Boston and train. And he's been healthy and he's, Averaging three and a half blocks. He had four blocks and three steals last night. So I I, I severely underestimated Boston. Um, and I think they're shocking the world right now just because of the lack of offensive firepower that Golden State has. I mean, Steph Curry, yeah, he's going to do Steph Curry things. He's averaging 31 and a half on the series. But who else is doing it? Clay has had a bad couple of games Draymond has had a bad couple of games Wiggins is really looking like the only number two option and whenever Andrew Wiggins is your number two option what chance do you really stand against a team who has Jalen Brown Jason Tatum um, Marcus Smart whenever he's on Derek White whenever he's hitting Robert Williams whenever he wants to be aggressive this team is loaded with just offensive firepower and then they're not going to give anything to you easy they're going to defend their ass off to make sure that whatever they are giving you you're earning it you know, and um, there are some times where 
the switching and the uh, screens for Boston are kind of lackluster, and they're resulting to Steph Curry open shots. But you can Steph can average 45 in this series. It doesn't matter as long as you're stopping these other guys from Steph Curry. I mean, they're probably going to score 80 points just because I would like to think that, you know, Wiggs with, you know, 15 or Poole can have a big game. Clay can have a big game. Draymond can, you know, set his teammates up and he can score a little bit. But once, you know, once it comes down to that, Boston has the offensive firepower. Peyton Pritchard has been really good for Boston off the bench this season, you know, this year. Or excuse me, this finals. Um, And, yeah, again, Derek White shooting it at 46% or 47%. Um, Jason Tatum had that one stinker of a game and just kind of came back out and um, he scored a lot in, in game two, but he wasn't necessarily a plus minus um, stud. But Jalen Brown has been the best player in for Boston in this series. So let's take a look now. Um, kind of sticking obviously with the finals because that'll be what the rest of this um, show is on. The MVP the finals MVP rankings. Um, I have kind of came up with some, I mean, I don't, again, I don't know their betting odds or anything like that, but simply um, I'm going to go with from Boston to golden state for Boston. I have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Steph Curry, and Marcus Smart or Derek White. You can kind of interchange um, either one of those, but I think that if Boston does come down and win this series, I think we could have a case where, kind of like LeBron back in 2015, I think, where he was getting a lot of hype about possibly being the finals MVP. And then for Golden State, I have Steph Curry 1, 2, 3, 4. I mean, he's he's uh, he's going to be, if Golden State somehow wins this series and Steph Curry's not finals MVP, I literally have no idea what to tell you. Klay Thompson is the closest, the next closest. I could even make an argument for Wiggins to be number two to Steph Curry um, over anyone else. Um, I would like to see Golden State next game come out and I think use Robert Williams' aggressiveness against him. Uh, Steph Curry said in his post-game press conference that, you know, they've got to be aware of him at all times, and they do, and they're not really doing a good job of that. Or whenever they are aware of him, they're like, oh, my gosh, he may block my shot, and they're getting scared, and they're missing wide-open layups. So I think that uh, Kevon Looney should be a little bit more aggressive. I think Wiggins, honestly, should be more aggressive. He's the most athletic one on the court right now. Him and Gary Payton, they should try to attack him. Yeah, you're going to get some shots blocked, but what are the odds that he's not going to try to foul? You know, he's still at that age to where he's, I say age, like he's not just a couple years older than I am, but, you know, he's going to be super aggressive and he's going to try and block your shots, which are going to sometimes result in fouls. I know that they're calling it a little bit harder in the finals, which is normal, but I mean, still, there's going to be times to where he's not going in a, he may block your shot, but you may get a foul. And if you can get him in foul trouble early on, that has nothing but success for Golden State. And I think that they need to match minutes with Kevon Looney and Robert Williams. If not, maybe give Looney a little bit more minutes than what he's already getting. Um, Kevon Looney, of course, uh, according to NBA.com, is averaging 21 minutes. And then Robert Williams is averaging 21. So they've... It feels like whenever Draymond Green is on Robert Williams or Andrew Wiggins is on Robert Williams, he just bullies him down low. And rightfully so, Draymond, he's a, you know, I think he was leading the all, or excuse me, the defensive player of the year race before he got injured. But 
Robert Williams is, you know, he's not necessarily an offensive scorer, but he can out-rebound a lot of people. And I think we've seen that last game with, you know, again, rebounding is super important. And 15 of those offensive rebounds, that means you got to stop. But Boston got it and came back up and went up with it. So it's – Golden State still has a chance. Obviously, you know, I'm not going to turn down – it's like kind of like a LeBron team. I'm not going to turn down any team with Stephen Curry. But it's just coming to the point to where someone else needs to step up. Whether they change up the lineup a little bit, uh, try to attack Robert Williams more, or Steve Kerr literally gets paid millions of dollars to do what I'm trying to do right now, get inside of his head. So I don't know what Steph Curry Curry and Steve Kerr are going to draw up, but it needs to change because Golden State is in a very bad spot and they could lose this series probably next game. You know, the only time that anyone's been down 3-1 and come back was against this same, well not same, but actually yeah, pretty much the same Golden State team. Um, the same three guys, the same coach, and uh, some of the, not necessarily some of the same bench guys, but I'm sure that coaching staff hasn't changed very much either. So if Golden State wants any chance of jumping back into this game in this series, they need to make some serious changes, and I'll be looking forward to seeing what Steve Kerr draws up and what Ime Udoku draws up just because of he's like he's probably thinking, okay, Steve Kerr is going to make changes. What can I do to make changes? Or maybe he stays – it stays the same, but he has a backup plan. Or who who knows? You know, these guys get paid millions of dollars to do what I'm trying to do once again. So it's um, I'm not trying to gonna I'm not gonna try to jump into their minds, but um, I am gonna jump into another sponsor before we take a look at some of the some of a rather interesting take that I have. This episode of No Playbook is sponsored by me. Go ahead and click that subscribe button, like the podcast, share with your friends, leave a comment, whatever you do. Just go ahead and get it done, and let's grow LTT Productions to its fullest capacity. Now, let's go ahead and get right back to it. Thank you to me for sponsoring my podcast. So, I'm sitting here and I'm talking to Kyler. I think this was earlier today. And I asked him, I asked him, is this the best team that Golden State has ever played in this finals? And he said no. He thinks that those LeBron teams that obviously won were, you know, the better team. And I'm here to make an argument out of that. I think that the, uh, you know, Raptor team was really good as well, but they could never get it without Kawhi. Um, This, you know, Cleveland team from 2015 to 2018 uh, made the finals. So... I have I have here right here a constructed list of the roster that I would pick if I had a, to pick between these you know those calf teams and this this Boston team right now. My number one, my point guard would be Kyrie. My shooting guard would be Jalen Brown. Uh, small forward, power forward, you can interchange them. I have Jason Tatum, LeBron James as my forwards. Um, and then Robert Williams as my five. I, Tristan Thompson was a great rebounder, but I think Robert Williams adds a different aspect just because of how much more athletic he is than Tristan Thompson. Uh, I think Thompson is the better overall rebounder, but I think defensively uh, Robert Williams has got it, and that uh, athletically Robert Williams is just simply better. So free um, keeping track, that is a three to two, you know, kind of team uh, in favor of Boston. So now let's take a look at the bench. Al Horford is my sixth man. Kevin Love, you can interchange those either way. Um, Marcus Smart, 
Richard Jefferson was pretty good. He got some meaningful minutes on that Cavs team. You can change out Derek White for J.R. Smith, but I'm personally taking Derek White because of how good how good his defense is. So overall, it's a six to four split in favor of Boston. Either way, um, I think Boston is the better overall team. Um, you know, I think Cleveland had a better top two. I think Kyrie Irving and LeBron James compared to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are not simply there yet in that argument aspect, and I don't know if they ever will be. But the surrounding cast that Boston has given Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown over what they gave LeBron James and Kyrie Irving, and granted this supporting cast won them a championship, but it was LeBron and Kyrie scoring 41 points and LeBron doing this and Kyrie doing that. Uh, they kind of backed off of each other, and they just asked these guys to just kind of step there and – you know, hit their shots. But for, I think that Boston is the overall rounded better team. I don't think that if, let's say if LeBron James is having an off night with, um, you know, he's just having an off night, this Cavs team's going to lose. And then we've seen Jason Tatum, who is the star of the show. Yeah, um, you know, he's been their best player for, I think the past probably two or three seasons, you could argue that Jason Tatum had a terrible game one and they still found a way to win and he was a plus 30 just because he was rebounding and he was doing all these other things. I mean, LeBron James is obviously the best at that too, but it just kind of shows that with LeBron not having a better team or a good team around him, I'm not trying to bring up this argument again because this is the team that won against Golden State in this finals, in the 2016 finals. This is their... 10-man rotation, who got the most minutes? Um, James Irving, Smith, Love, Thompson, Jefferson, and Shumper all averaged 10 minutes and above. And then you had Channing Frye, who only played in four games. Della Vadova only played in six games. Moskov played in four games. Um, but you look at, you know, Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and Al Horford and Derek White and Robert Williams and Peyton Pritchard, who has been a stud this playoff run. He's averaging, I think, like 10 points a game. He's at, excuse me, sorry, fifth. Um, wait, looking at the wrong thing here. Oh, he's only averaging five points a game, but he's getting meaningful minutes. He's at, you know, he's getting 14 minutes a game. He's shooting, you know, 43% from three, 46% from the field. Um, He's averaging two assists. Whenever he's out there, Boston, they went on that big fourth quarter run with Marcus Smart on the bench and, you know, Peyton Pritchard and Derek White at the one and the two. So I think Peyton Pritchard has kind of given them, again, it says he's only scoring five points a game, but it seems like when he's out there, he's just an absolute bucket. So he's giving them a lot of good scoring off of the bench, along with Derek White whenever he's on and he's hitting. I mean, they have, you know, arguably the best bench in this series. So I think... Yeah, I think I know Boston has the I think Boston has the better overall team construction compared to 2016. Now, head coaching wise, I think Ty Lue is obviously the better coach, but this was also Ty Lue at one point in his career, his first year as the head coach, quote unquote, first year because he took over for David Blatt. I think I don't think it was like 30 games into the season, somewhere around there. Uh, but obviously, Ty Lue took over for David Blatt, and then Ime Udoku, Ime. Yeah, Ime Odoko um, took over for Brad Stevens, who moved upstairs. Um, and I know a lot of people were crushing the move for Al Horford. He has been a stud. I mean, there's times in this playoffs to where I'm on my Twitter, and I'm like, oh my gosh, is Al Horford the best Celtic of all time? 
And of course, my father is a Celtics fan, and he he rightfully so tells me no. But I mean, still, Al Horford has just been this glue guy to where I don't think that they're on this run without Al Horford. Um, he came in, he knows the system, he hits his shots, he plays good defense, he average, he is just bleeding Boston blood. I mean, he is a stud, and you know, I think that a give me just one second. This episode of No Playbook is sponsored by me. Go ahead and click that subscribe button, like the podcast, share with your friends, leave a comment, whatever you do. Just go ahead and get it done, and let's grow LTT Productions to its fullest capacity. Now, let's go ahead and get right back to it. And we are back. Yes, Al Horford is a stud. Um, I've been a fan of Al Horford. Um, Again, I was one of the people that really criticized Brad Stevens' first move as a GM being bringing him back, but it's exactly what this team needed. Again, they're not on this run without Old Horford, and I will go to my grave saying that. So all in all, I think that Cleveland, yes, they won a championship, and Boston may win the championship. Who knows? I mean, they're still they're in game three, and it goes it could go possibly a seven. Um, but obviously, one and two, I'm taking James and Irving, but pretty much, you know, three through two, 15 I'm taking Boston no matter who it is you know could you imagine LeBron James and Kyrie Irving with Marcus Smart and Al Horford and Robert Williams I mean LeBron's already a great passer could you imagine him with a lob threat like Rob Williams um so I think that Brad Stevens deserves a lot of credit I think Boston in general deserves a lot of credit because they were really bad when they started the season uh Ime Odoko was getting you know Five, that he's going to be on the hot seat even after his first year, and they found a way to turn it around. They think they're like twenty three and twenty four or twenty five and twenty five, something like that. They were not good, um, and then they came out and had the best defense in the league, uh, secured the two seed, I believe. They secured the two seed, um, one of the higher seeds in the Eastern Conference, and here they are. I mean, I don't have to tell you how good Boston is. They're in the they're in the finals. I think. Um, It'll be a good series. Game three will be really interesting, just alone of the fact that something's got to change for Golden State. And what does Ime Udoku do? Does he keep it the same? Does he try to change it up because he thinks Steve Kerr's going to change it up? Kind of be like, okay, this is what they're going to do. And then Ime's kind of like, ah, this is not what we're going to do. Um, but I think that as long as, you know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are doing what they do and they've got a good, you know, a surrounding cast. I think that Boston is could very well win this championship unless I see something drastically different in game three where they kind of get back to that golden state of old where, you know, it's not just Steph scoring all the points. It's Steph driving down the lane and kicking it here and then they kick it back out and then Steph Curry's wide open because he slipped through some screens and other people and he's wide open. Um, that was Golden State's offense for ever. And I'm really interested to see what Steve Kerr draws up. I'm really interested to see um, what Ime Odoku draws up. I'm really interested to see Game th- Game Four. You know, I think this is really going to decide the series because um, Boston is literally just has a, a death grip on Golden State at this moment. To where if they don't win, I don't know if Golden State will win another game this series. So that is going to do it for the no playbook. Po- <clears throat> that is going to do it for the no playbook podcast. I appreciate you listening. Um, kind of a shorter episode. Um, now that I'm able to record, I just have, I can come on here whenever and just kind of talk sports and basketball. And we haven't talked a lot of baseball yet, but, um, just you wait whenever baseball is the only sport that is on. We will be talking a lot. I'm sure of baseball and some NFL off season and some NBA off season. Um, I'm going to try to do a mock draft for the NBA 
see how that goes. Um, NFL OTAs, I think mandatory mini camp started a couple of days ago uh, for a lot of teams. Um, Baker Mayfield got excused. Deshaun Watson could literally be going to prison, but we talked a lot about that um, in the other day's podcast. I think it was Tuesday. Uh, we talked a lot about that, and that's really just been the main talk coming out of the NFL is Desha- about Deshaun Watson. So, um, yeah, I uh, appreciate you listening, and uh, I'll catch you next time. Peace.